Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, J-Dub. It is Valentine's Day week, post-Super Bowl. I'll touch on kind of musings from that and dig into the the dud of the NBA tread deadline. Just to kind of talk a little bit about some of the teams that are looking good. So we'll get to that on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. What a Super Bowl, I have to say. My heart was broken. A long time 49er season ticket holder. Been to so many of those big games. I've actually never been to a Super Bowl. It's a bucket list I need to get to. Uh, But what a great game. Five full quarters. I think it's the longest Super Bowl game ever in terms of just actual play time. And they played 75 minutes. And what a close game. It came down to the last seconds of the fifth quarter. Both teams had one long drive. At the end of the day, it was a war of attrition. The Chiefs kind of withstood the Niners. The Niners lost, I think, at some point. It was up to four or five starters. And a couple key guys, like Dre Greenlaw, was a huge loss for them. He tore his Achilles running onto the field, although apparently he'd had an injury. He'd been nursing the Achilles for a couple of weeks. But what a, what a game. I got to give the credit to Mahomes. The guy just stuck in there. He made the plays. I thought Birdie played well. One of the things I was looking for in this game was, is Brock Purdy real? Is he someone who can win on that stage? And I think he showed he did. He didn't make any glaring mistakes. He, he could have made a little bit better throw there on that third down play in overtime where he got pressured and threw it up and mostly out of the way, even though the third receiver, Juwan Jennings, had broken open, was open. And then a similar but much tougher throw at the end of regulation when they were driving down on a third down play. I think Chris Jones came in and pancaked him, and he just had to throw the ball away, and then they kicked the field goal to to go up and force Casey to come back down and, and tie it. That was two minutes to go. Look, there's you could talk about all the different things. I'm not going to blame. There's all this hubbub about the overtime rules. The reality is they didn't lose because the players did or didn't know those rules. They lost because they just had, they ran out of defensive players in particular. They lost two two defensive two key defensive backs. They lost their arguably or one of their better pass defensive linebackers. In fact, one of the things that makes their defense so, so special is Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are really good in in coverage, and they just got worn down. So really great game. I loved it. It didn't turn out the way I wanted to. I think the Chiefs the Chiefs will be interesting. They are very much mediocre on offense, and they're starting to age out in some of those key positions. They've, and they're going to have a big draft. Either that or see guys like Sky Moore and Rushi Rice really take a step forward. Kelsey, I think, is due for probably eventually. Maybe he's got one more year in him. I don't know. He's also probably due for a major injury and going to be out for the season. I wasn't super impressed with them. I think the Niners got limped into the playoffs, barely won. Maybe it was karma that they lost. They got a pretty young team, though, outside of Trent Williams. I think he might be one of the only guys over 30. Kittle might have turned 30 this year. McCaffrey's 28, so he's getting up there. But still, they return. They really don't have a lot of contractual issues. Even Ayuk's signed for another year. You'll hear about him wanting a new contract. But And they've got Purdy for two more years at a ridiculous value. It's going to be interesting. I think the Niners are already favored for next year, along with the Chiefs, Ravens, and Bills are the top four. But what a game. If you didn't like that football game, I don't know. I guess it could have been more scoring, although there was some good, interesting plays, some craziness. The ball hitting the player on the on the punt, fumbles by both running backs in the red zone. 
but it was a pretty cleanly played game overall. I think a lot of penalties early in the game, and then they didn't call a lot in the end of the game. But I thought it was a good game overall. So hopefully you enjoyed it. I think both teams are going to be back next year, not necessarily in the Super Bowl. It's tough to get there. Uh, maybe the Chiefs are, given they've been in four of the last five. But they're due for a they're due for a letdown. It's very tough to win back to backs. Only happened uh, three times, or I guess four times in the last thirty five years, and only once prior to this in the last twenty. No one's ever done three in a row. I just don't think the Chiefs have the talent to do three in a row either. So you get a lot of talk about that, but I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, on to the NBA. I just want to talk about how lame the NBA trade deadline was. We get so much hype about it. The only quality trade, actually, or interesting trade, let's say, was the trade that happened weeks ago, moving, or actually two months ago, moving James Harden to the Clippers. I think it was a bad trade for the Clippers in the grand scheme of things. And the reason being is that ultimately, I think that he's a good regular season player, but he really hurts you in the playoffs. But he is really the only major player moved. The Siakam deal is an interesting deal. I don't know if that's a great deal, if that's going to move the needle for them. I really like Pascal Siakam. He was a great player on that title team they won, but he's really the third kind of guy, maybe even the fourth guy, depending on how you how you rank them. Obviously, Kawhi was their superstar. Kyle Lowry was critical in that series against the Warriors. Siakam was a, he's a guy that kind of had to do a little bit of everything. But he's always had a big reputation. So I, I thought it was a good trade ultimately for the Raptors. I thought they got they got some pieces and obviously three first round picks out of it. But it is what it is. And we haven't seen that deal was done in January 17th. We haven't seen any either of those teams turn a corner with that either. The other trade, actually, maybe a little bit underrated that I would like that I would call out is right before New Year's on late December, the Knicks picked up OG Anobi and gave up R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. That could be a good trade for the Raptors in time. I think it's a good trade for the Knicks too, but we'll see what happens in, in the playoffs and how that kind of works itself out. So overall, really a dud of a deadline. Very few even like regular start, very few starters moved teams, and they were mostly rotational starter, kind of low-end guys anyways. The Sixers picking up Buddy Heald, maybe that helps them in the playoffs, gives them some spacing, a secondary scorer with the second unit, especially when you got an Embiid sucking up the mix there. He's going to be double teamed in a lot of those games. And you got Maxi cutting and driving. He can dish to healed. So that could be an, an underrated move once we get to the playoffs. The Mavs added uh, PJ Washington and dump salary. What I can tell, Hornets picked up Seth Curry, local boy, and Grant Williams, who they just signed in a first round pick in this process. Maybe that's a much better spot for P.J. Washington. I'm not going to boohoo it, but I think it is it is what it is. So who are the winners? I think Knicks did a really good job overall. They didn't give up a ton, although, again, quickly and, and Barrett have potential, and especially quickly with getting more playing time. Never know. And Anobi, he's really good. I think he's a good player. Is he a great player? I don't know. I'm not going to say that, but I think he's I think he's a pretty good player. And he fits well there. He actually brings in and shores up some of the, or makes their defense even better. When you got Randall, him, and Brunson, it's a good mix and some really good, some role players there. Dante DiVincenzo, I love as a, as a role guy coming off the bench. Uh, Josh Hart. So they've really got a nice mix of players. But do they have this? Do they have the players in the playoffs to beat a Milwaukee, beat a Boston? I don't know. And I would argue probably not. 
but we won't know for a while. Who else played? Who else looked well? I don't. Again, it was such a bad, a bad move in my opinion, or just a bad overall. Um, yeah, I just didn't feel like there was a lot of interesting, uh, a lot of interesting moves. I guess Toronto. It'll be interesting. They traded just to uh, to cover this quickly, but they traded Pascal Siakam, Ogion Nobi, Precious uh, Kokua. I can never pronounce his name. Malachi Flynn, Otto Porter Jr. Again, not a big deal. Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young, and in they brought in quickly, who's got some upside in a more a bigger role. But again, he's got some limitations at that point guard position. RJ Barrett, another Canadian. So maybe that's really good for revitalizing his career and, and getting, not revitalizing, but upping his level of play. Obviously, it's going to be good for local fans. Bruce Brown's a great glue guy. Picked up Kelly Olenek and some first round picks and a second round pick. You know, pairing that with Scotty Barnes, we got something. So we'll have to see how that fits and how, you know, quickly and Barrett will fit with them and whether that brings stuff up. But yeah, it's not, it's a, it's a weird, one. I just don't see a lot of interesting moves there. Let's talk a little bit about just where we are. I, I talked about this a week ago, but who are the teams that are legitimate contenders here now that we're, we're firmly into the, I guess it's the all-star break coming up this weekend. And, but we're firmly, we're 55 games in or so 54 games, depending on the team. I guess the Celtics have played 54. The Timberwolves have played 54. Both of those are the one seeds in their respective conferences. So let me just quickly get to it. Celtics, clearly, I think they're one of the favorites. It's them and the Bucks, in my opinion, in the Eastern Conference. If Embiid's back, fully healthy, They'll be a wreck. They'll be a force to be reckoned with, but they're already the fifth seed, and they could lose some serious ground. They've been three and seven in their last ten, although they've won two in a row, so they could fall quickly, fall to six or even seven. And Bede may not be back, so I don't, I'm not going to count them. I need to see the Knicks in the full team kind of scenario. They've recently lost three in a row, by the way. So I think in the East, I'm only really comfortable saying the Celtics and the Bucks are the two teams to beat. With maybe a caveat being the, the Cavs. The Cavs have won, had won nine in a row until last night. They're firmly the sec, the two seed right now, uh, but they are a firm six games back from the Celtics, which is a lot of games with twenty five or I guess twenty eight to go. So they have to they have to be pretty pretty hot. But I think in the East, I like the Celtics and Bucks. One of those two teams is going to come out with an outside shot. The Sixers, if Embiid's back, and possibly the Cavs. They keep playing the way they're playing. In the Western Conference, it's way more open. And mostly because you've got teams like the Lakers and Warriors, who right now are ninth and 10th. Both have played really well recently. The Warriors are 7-3 and three in the last 10. Lakers are 7-3. But those Warriors' three losses, I think, were each by a combined one point. So they've lost they've basically. And if you go further back, they've been, been better than that. So they're hot. They've figured something out. If you look at the plus-minus, at 1.6 in the East, they would be the, the sixth seed to give you some perspective. So West is much stronger. And you just know the Lakers and Warriors, they've got firepower. They've been there. They've won two of the last three titles. So they're, they've got the they've got the team chemistry and talent to do it. They're long shots though. Don't take this podcast and be like, this guy's full of shit. Doesn't know what he's talking about. They're long shots. But I think if you, they're in the East, I'd put them there because when the playoffs come, they'd be in the mix and they're going to be tough to, to beat. But the teams I, I really like, I'm not sold on the Suns. They're the five seed right now, and I'll tell you why. I just, look, Durant's never shown that he can lead a team to a championship by himself. And his cohorts here, his peers, Booker looks good, but who knows? 
And then Beal, who knows if the guy's even going to be healthy. They need some more depth. They picked it up. But again, they're the fifth seed right now. There are four games ahead of the Lakers and Warriors. So they're right, right there in the mix. But I just don't believe in them. But the Nuggets, you have to believe in. They're like two games out of the one seed. They're currently a four seed. They're the reigning champs. They've got the arguably the best player. I, I would say the best player in the game right now. They certainly are going to be a, a force to reckon with in the playoffs. And then Minnesota, or sorry, Clippers are the three seed. They're two games out. They're tied. One one less loss in the loss column than the Nuggets, but one less win as well. So slightly ahead as the three seed. They just have Kawhi. They've got Paul George, Harden. They've got a deep team. I think the Harden move helped them in the regular season. I'm not so sure what it's going to do in the playoffs. Interestingly enough, tonight the Clippers play the Warriors, so it'll be a good measuring stick if the Warriors have really gotten better and a measuring stick for where the Clippers are. One and two seed in the West are Minnesota Timberwolves and Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't believe in either of those teams. I can be proven wrong. I'm not saying they're not. They're obviously going to be in the playoffs unless one of them just completely tanks. I just don't believe that they're ready yet to make serious damage in the playoffs. And as a Warriors fan or a Lakers fans in my life, I know that both those teams would love to face off against the Timberwolves or the Thunder in the first round. Uh, it's a lot easier matchup than playing the Clippers or the Nuggets or the Suns even. So I think that I, if I'm looking at who are the real title contenders, if I were ranking them on the in the West, I would have to say, I think it's the Nuggets, number one. They're currently the fourth seed. I would say the Clippers, number two, right? And those two teams, have, they've got proven star level NBA uh, finals MVP winner winning players on their teams. And they're showing they can play winning basketball right now. And then I would probably fall back to the Suns, Lakers, and Warriors. I just think those teams, when the playoffs are, are in the mix, they're gonna they're gonna shine. Now, I know people are gonna listen to this and say I'm crazy. Lakers and Warriors are the ninth and tenth seeds right now. I just think when the games matter, they are way way more uh, dangerous than teams like the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Kings, and even at the top of the food chain, the Timberwolves and Thunder. Let me just leave you with this one thought with the Timberwolves. Timberwolves have arguably the most dominant regular season defensive player in the last 10 years, and that's Rudy Gobert. What happens in the playoffs? He gets played off the court. There's a reason why Rudy Gobert teams can't make it out of the first or max the second round. And so that's what they're winning on, an awesome one-two punch down low with Gobert at the five and Cat Carl Anthony Towns at the four. In the playoffs, that's not going to work. I'm sorry. So I just don't see them... They're there. They're definitely in the mix, but they got to prove it to me. In Oklahoma City, I think they're just a year away. They're good, but they're not quite there yet. I'll be interesting to see how they play in the playoffs. They're the most interesting team, though. I think if you look at their roster, they are so well set up for next year, definitely the following year when all those guys mature, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, and obviously SGA is insanely talented and very good. And they've got a ton of picks coming. So they're going to be, they're going to be a force and a very good team. Josh Giddy's very good, awesome role player, kind of three and D type guy, but with like way higher level talent who can distribute. I shouldn't even say he's three and D. He's not even three and D. He's like a point forward who could average eight nine assists. He can rebound. He can shoot. That team is very good, but it's still very young, um, and they're playing great. But I don't see it for this year. Okay. On that note, I hope everyone has a great week. Enjoy your Valentine's day. Take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Oh.
Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. I said up. 